Thanks so much for joining us for part two of our series, Anchored. Just to give you a little bit of background, uh, we are wanting to look at ways to encourage you and equip you with truth that'll keep us anchored regardless of the weather, regardless of the circumstances, uh, whether you're feeling great or feeling down, whether your circumstances are terrific or whether you're going through um, incredible pain and even confusion, which by the way is part of the reason why I like this image. Um, you kind of see the sun, you know, the, the day breaking on the left hand side and maybe a little bit more of a cloudy, uh, tumultuous day on the other side. And the truth is, I believe that God um, offers us security and confidence regardless of the season that we find ourselves in. Um, before I recap Sue's introduction from last week, just to quickly encourage you, um, I'd love for you to join us on Facebook Live this evening at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to experiment with a little bit of a question and response time. So Moffat and I are going to be on Facebook Live. Uh, notice that we've used the word response, question and response. We can't guarantee you answers, but we're going to do our best uh, to respond to some of the questions. In fact, if you want to get ahead of the game, you can WhatsApp some questions to our View Church Mullington number. Um, I can't promise that every question will make it onto uh, the discussion tonight, but we'll certainly do our best. So. Uh, to recap from last week, Sue introduced the uh, metaphor that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 7, where he uh, talks about how everyone is ultimately building a life. We're building a house, and he talks about how um, some people are building it on sand, others are building it on rock. And Sue spoke about how uh, we are all doing it. It's just a question of whether we're doing it intentionally or not, and whether or not we're building on a rock, or if... Uh, or if we're building on the sand. And the only way we really know that is when the storms hit. And so for many of us, uh, we're in a season right now where there's a lot of storm. And so for, I think for pretty much every one of us, we are being challenged to evaluate what it is that we're building our lives on. And I, I hope that this series is able to encourage you and to give you hope and to maybe even just give you some some practical principles that you can apply, which is actually the whole the whole. Uh, crux of what Jesus was addressing in that passage from last week. So we sent you off with a uh, memory verse where it says that therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Notice that it's not just those who hear the words but as those who put them into practice. Jesus was saying that really the key difference between people who who build on sand versus those who build on rock is those who don't only hear the truth and hear the principles, but we actually apply it. We do something with it. And that's our burden as a church, um, as your pastor. My prayer, my hope is that God would open our eyes to understand Scripture, so to understand His Word, but that we'd be moved to obedience, that we would do something with it. Otherwise, it just remains theory that kind of drifts off into uh, the ether. Just referring to foundations, some of you might be familiar with the Patronus Towers in Kuala Lumpur. Um, in terms of uh, height, they reach up to 88 floors. They are the tallest twin buildings in the world. But what I love about this particular uh, design is that for them to go up 
88 floors or 450 meters. They had to first go down 120 meters. They had to build, they had to dig down the type of foundation that would be able to withstand the, um, the elements of a building that's being built up that high. So they actually drove piles into the ground um, up to roughly 120 meters, which depending on how much space you give to each floor, that's between 30 to 40 floors down before they could build the first floor and go up to 88 floors. To give you an idea, apparently the building has, has the give, the movement of up to two meters, a two meter, a two meter radius when the winds come. So I'm pretty sure if you're near the top of that building <laughs> and the winds are coming, you want to know that it is built on a rock solid foundation. And um, I don't want to patronize you. I think you get the point. We want to make sure that we are building our lives on a substantial um, foundation that is true, that is stable, regardless of circumstances and regardless of our emotions. So we want to try and get a couple of truths across to you over the next few weeks. Truths that, that are still true objectively. So my emotions are subjective. Uh, my circumstances can affect my perspective to give me a subjective perspective. But truth is truth. Truth is objective. And the one that I'm wanting to take a look at today and encourage you with and, and hopefully um, yeah, almost almost impart to you is the fact that God is good. I believe the truth that God is good is an objective truth that you can build your life on. The fact that God is good, whether I feel it or not, is significant. The fact that God is good, whether I believe it or not, is significant. In other words, it has nothing to do with, like I'm not a variable. It has nothing to do with whether I believe God is good or not. He is good. He cannot change. Um, it is in His nature. Whether, whether it looks like that, whether I feel like, like I'm seeing the fruit of His goodness or not, it doesn't matter. God is good. And so I want to just um, look at this, this truth, this idea under a few different uh, principles. The first one is simply that Scripture declares God's goodness. Ultimately, I believe that the whole Bible is a meta-narrative of the goodness of God. It is, the, it is the story of a God who is relentlessly pursuing people. And you see Him creating opportunity after opportunity for, for His people to find life. Um, he keeps warning. Even, even if you look at some of the stories in the Old Testament, and some people feel like God had a personality change in the New Testament, that's not true. Even where God had to eventually honor the choices and the decisions of, of uh, people, families, nations who continued to, to consciously reject God and eventually he had to release them to, to the consequences of their choices. Even then he gave them warning after warning after warning after warning. God has not had a personality change. God was good in the Garden of Eden. God is still good today and God will still be good at the end of this world as we know Scripture declares God's goodness. Um, the most important verse for me today and the one that will end off um, encouraging you to memorize is Psalm 100 verse 5, which says that the Lord is good and His love endures forever. The Lord is good 
and his love endures forever. Even as I was preparing this, I, I felt such a burden to, to like declare this over your life. God is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He's the same God from the previous generations to our generation and to the generations to come. He does not change. God is good. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, To taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, we, we need to actually in, in, embrace Him, engage with Him, grow in a relationship with God. God is not just a theory to be, to be debated. God is a person to be related to, to connect with, to enjoy. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from sin. In this case, Paul, the author, is writing to people who, who are um, struggling to understand the, the kindness of God. They, 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 they're more focused on the, what they think is the anger and the judgment of God. And Paul is saying, no, 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 don't you know? In, in, one, in one English translation, it says that it's the goodness of God that, that leads to repentance. And for so much of my life, I felt like... like if I, if, if I can allow God to scold me enough, maybe I'll change. Like if I feel bad enough, enough condemnation, enough shame. And I remember once hearing Timothy Keller talk about how God doesn't scold our hearts. He melts our hearts in the sense that he actually reveals his kindness, his goodness. And we can't help but want to respond to that and want to walk on the road that leads to life. Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 reveals what we call the fruit of the Spirit. This is God's Spirit. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, etc. The reason for that is because that's who He is. So if we give influence to God's Spirit, we will bear the fruit of goodness. Because that's who God is. Scripture declares the goodness of God. And Romans 8 verse 28 says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose, to His purpose for them. And I want to challenge you if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe you've been around church quite a bit, and maybe you've heard this verse read over and over again. And maybe people have patronized you with it and maybe beating you over the head with it, but I want to encourage you to read this with fresh ears, or with fresh eyes rather. This is the truth of God. He will cause everything to work together for the good of those who love Him. It is a promise. This is the Word of God. So even though you may be in a season or maybe you're going through circumstances and maybe it's not even for you. I actually find that sometimes we struggle the most when we are burdened for people that we care about and we see them suffering and we can't rescue them and we can't resolve it. Um, and that burdens us. And I just want to encourage you. God wants to cause everything to work together for the good of those who love Him. Um, it may not always be the good according to our definition that we'd like it to be. Um, it may not always be in our timing, but that's where if we believe that His ways are not our ways, that His thoughts are not our thoughts, and that sometimes He's busy doing something even though we can't see it, even though we don't feel it, 
um, when we believe that it just, even though we might not have the clarity we would like, we can have calm, we can have peace, we can have confidence in the confusion. If we will be reminded and encouraged as to how good God is. I remember um, with our youngest daughter many years ago and we were at a skate park and, and she, Madison burns jet fuel. She's always ready for an adventure. She's looking to, to take part in anything and run everywhere and jump everywhere and slide down everything. And so she slid down um, quite a steep uh, skateboard ramp and uh, didn't notice a screw or a nail that was sticking up and it tore quite badly in, um, into the underside of her leg. And you can imagine it was incredibly painful. I rushed her to the doctor. She needed to have stitches done. Um, but you can imagine for a four, year, four or five-year-old to have, you know, to be in a lot of pain, to be, to be traumatized, to be wanting nothing but relief, and then to have your father holding you down while you're screaming, holding you down while the nurse injects you and the doctor comes and stitches you up. It just feels like, like dad is causing you more pain when when everything in you is wanting dad to relieve you from the pain. But from a father's perspective, I know that in even an hour's time, she's going to be feeling better. And in a day's time, in a week's time, in a month's time, it's going to be a completely different story. But, but because of my perspective, I could hold her down and I could endure her misunderstanding um, for that season. And I just feel like some of us might be going through a season where we feel like we're already in agony you're already taking strain, like you're not just being hit one way, two ways, like you feel like it's just coming from all angles and you're wondering like, if God is good, why is he allowing me to be held down and to be, ma and to be made to endure even more pain? I just wanna encourage you that even though we can't always see from his perspective, he is a good father and he does wanna cause all things to work together for good. Then it goes on a few verses later to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, where it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? In other words, if God loved us that much, that, that, that him and Jesus, you know, they were in agreement to, to lay Jesus' life down, to pay the price for our sins on our behalf, because there was no alternative. If that's how much value, God placed on us? Like, is there anything else that's good, that's life-giving, that He will withhold from us? I want to encourage you, Scripture declares God's goodness. But here's the challenge. Our circumstances discourage our belief. So often there's a part of us that kind of hopes or believes, but then we, then we start facing circumstances that, that can place a lot of doubt where we think that's what we believe but but in reality the the pain the confusion um, the injustice the unfair treatment um, or seeing seeing children suffer I mean there are so many things I, I, I don't need to help you come up with reasons to to struggle to reconcile you know the madness that exists in our world just a couple of reasons though why bad things happen. Our choices and consequences. Others' choices and consequences. So all of us have suffered consequences from our own foolishness or our own you know, ignorant behavior. Similarly, we've probably all suffered the consequences of other people's uh, choices. Um, 
all of us to some extent have have been blessed or burdened by the way you know by choices of our parents my kids are blessed or burdened by our choices um, so this this whole idea of free will is a double-edged sword it cuts both ways it gives us the freedom that we want but it also gives us unfortunately the consequences that we don't want and so sometimes sometimes that is the cause of our suffering um, at other times it's just the fact that we live in a fallen broken world where where nothing is perfect. In fact, if you really stop and think about it, sometimes it should surprise us that there isn't even more pain in the world, even, even more darkness. If God, if God were to just give every person over to our darkest thoughts and our darkest desires, I, I don't think we could even begin to imagine. In fact, that is what I think hell will be. Hell will be the complete absence of God. So everything that is good comes from God. Um, God didn't create evil. Evil is the absence of God. It is where God has been pushed out. God has been rejected out of a situation. And so I do believe that that's ultimately a, a foreshadow of hell where God is, is nowhere to be seen. There's no protection, no, no mercy. Um, sometimes we are subject to the attacks of our spiritual enemy, Satan. So we do live in a natural world that has challenges, but we also live where there's a spiritual dynamic. But what I want to encourage you is that if you are a Christian, um, my personal conviction, based on stories like Job in the Old Testament and a few others, uh, like where Jesus says to Peter, Satan's asked to sift you, but I've already prayed for you that your faith will not fail. For some of those reasons, I don't think that the enemy can do something to you without God's permission. Now, that might freak you out that God would ever give him permission, but I think that the reason why he might give him permission, limited, a limited scope, so limited parameters at times, is in order to grow us. So he allowed Satan to be sifted. Sorry, he allowed Peter to be sifted. Peter came out of there stronger. Job came out of a stronger. Romans 5 tells us that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. James chapter 1 tells us to consider it all joy, pure joy, when we face trials of many kinds because it, it has a way of maturing us. But the good news is that God won't allow us to be tested beyond what we can handle. And he'll always show us a way out. Again, Paul talks about that in one of the letters to the Corinthians. But I have to acknowledge that there are many times that we just don't know. We, we look for some redeemable silver lining. We look for good that's come out of something. And a lot of the time we can see it. I can see great good that has come out of many different situations in my own life. But, but there are others where you just think it's just rotten. It's just, it's just unfair. It doesn't make sense. And I've had some of those moments too where, where, where it is very, uh, it can be quite destabilizing where you just can't see the good that's coming out of that right now. And, and there have been a few moments in my life where I feel like God has even given me a, a peace to accept that I will never know. The reason for certain things and and again it's only my conviction about the goodness of God that has helped me to hold loosely onto those things that I, I don't know so because of what I know here I'm able to hold loosely onto these things that I can't uh, fully understand that I that I can't explain um, but you're not alone if you're going through circumstances or if you've been the victim of circumstances that just don't make sense um, I just want to encourage you that God is still good. 
when you think that you are on your best behavior and enjoying your best day and the most worthy of God's love, He is as good on that day as what you are on the day where you think you are the least deserving, the most unlovable, the most rebellious and belligerent and disrespectful. God is equally good. God does not change. And we'll, we'll try and give you, look, there's so many examples. My time is limited, but maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to chat about it a little bit more tonight at 7 p.m. By the way, all the really, really complex questions we're going to field to, to Moffat. He can deal with all the very complex theological stuff. So scripture declares God's goodness. Circumstances discourage our belief, but um, practices determine where we are anchored. Intentions don't determine. Um, Hope and hype doesn't determine um, where we are anchored. It is, it is the practices, it is the rhythms that we commit to. If you've been around our church for a while, you've heard me say things like our habits form our heart. Um, us positioning ourselves regularly, consistently to, to strengthen that relationship with God, that is what is going to help us stay anchored, grounded, convinced about His goodness. Again, uh, last week, uh, the memory verse was that it's not just those who hear these words, but they also put them into practice. They are the ones that are going to be building their house on a rock. I think one of our greatest challenges uh, to our confidence in God's goodness is the consistency of our habits. So we try and be confident, but then our habits just you know, dilute our confidence. And when we're not consistent and we're, we're kind of looking to the economy and then we're looking to the news and we're looking to politicians and we're looking to, to various uh, elements to, to strengthen us, I think that's when we start to really struggle. So just uh, on that side note, in terms of habits, I can't encourage you enough to consider reading this book, The Common Rule by Justin Whitmore Early. I, I've read it now a few times. I'm busy working through it with other people. I'm going to be working through it with some more people. Um, I just think it is such an encouraging, brilliantly written book by a young lawyer with four kids, full-time attorney. Um, he kind of hit the wall and, and had to adjust his whole life in order to actually live a life of purpose in an age of distraction and just brilliant. He, he talks... Four, the four chapters on daily habits and four chapters on weekly habits. I don't want to exaggerate when I tell you that I think it could change your life. I've reached out to him and uh, I'm hoping to do an interview with him in the near future, which will we'll keep you posted. A um, couple of suggestions uh, for the week ahead. Some, some, some things for us to practice is, number one, just the presence of God. Actually, actually presencing ourselves with God, where we regularly slow down to be with him and again i'm so aware that you might hear this language regularly so maybe a fresh way of putting it is i want to encourage you to frame your day present with god so the way you start your day and the way you end your day i encourage you to do your best to switch your phone off an hour before you go to bed at night and not to switch it on until an hour after you've woken up um, what we focus on First and last is what forms us the most. So if you're going to be focusing on rubbish, on negative news, or on 
comparison, you know, inducing social media, whatever, you know, if that's, if that's, if that's the first stuff that, that forms us in the morning and the last thing to, to distract us and form us at night, I'm just telling you, that's not going to breathe life. So um, if you want to be strengthened in your conviction and confidence about the goodness of God, look at how you frame your day. Secondly, I would encourage you towards the, the discipline, the practice, the habit of praise. Don't wait until you're prompted. Don't wait until you're inspired. Don't wait until you win the lottery. Um, this is a discipline where we can constantly take stock towards those things that we have to be grateful for. An incredible example of this um, was just a few days ago, I was in a meeting with our, our national leader, Pastor Donovan Kutsia. He's been diagnosed with a very uh, serious form of cancer recently, and he started chemotherapy. And um, in the meeting, he was just mentioning almost by the way that, um, that he was kind of awake every, every half hour during the night and that his bones were aching, but that they had warned him that that was one of the side effects. He was more just mentioning it just almost like off the cuff. And then he actually got emotional as he, as he expressed the gratitude <laughs> that he had for God's goodness to him during the season. And I just marveled at, at a man who in the natural is suffering, um, yet, he, yet it is so easy for him to see the goodness of God in, in this mess, in this pain, in the storm. And I'm telling you that that is because of the habit of praise. It's a habit of thanksgiving. Another uh, practice that we can commit to is simply prayer. And um, my encouragement to you is to constantly recognize opportunities to talk to God. Don't make it so formal and stodgy that you, that you keep procrastinating it. But if you're not connecting with God every day, then I would encourage you to evaluate whether or not you are indeed following God or is He kind of just you know, on a shelf somewhere for when you need him to sprinkle some pixie dust over something? Are you actually pursuing a relationship? Are you responding to a relationship with him? And that prayer, man, it can be natural. You talk exactly the way you would talk to someone else that you trust and that you care about. They can be short prayers. They can be long prayers. It can be expressing frustration, grief, anger, joy, delight. It can be asking God for stuff. It can be committing people to him. It can be praying for our country. It can be asking him for wisdom. But prayer can also just be quiet where you are, again, just present with him. Where you, I love that idea of where you slow down enough to look at God looking at you with love. Prayer is just about communication. And what better way for us to grow confident in the goodness of God than to consistently spend time in his presence, praising him, and, and communicating with Him as we pray. And lastly, to actually put stuff into practice. So in other words, to be obedient, to do the next right thing. Whatever you believe God wants you to do next, to just keep trying to be obedient to that. And, and when you mess that up, you, you try again. You get back up, you repent, you try again. Remember that obedience to the known will of God paves the way to the unknown will of God. For many of you, you're facing situations in your business, at home, with your budgets, maybe with your health, maybe with, with parents, with in-laws, with family members, 
and you just don't know what to do and, and you're starting to panic, my encouragement is do what you know to do and trust God to give you the wisdom for what you don't know to do. We can only take control of that which is within our control. We can only be diligent and disciplined with that which is within our control. And then we have to trust God for that stuff that is just beyond our limits. But I think that you will have more confidence in trusting God for those things if you have a peace that you are being diligent with the revealed will of God. Scripture declares God's goodness. However, our circumstances discourage our belief, but practice determine, our practices will determine where we are anchored. Please don't leave it to good intentions. Keep putting practices into place that are going to help you to lean in, to strengthen that confidence in God's goodness. I want to conclude with just going down a few verses later to Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 35 and and uh, yeah this is almost like my parting shot to you my parting encouragement to you can anything ever separate us from Christ's love Paul's asking like a rhetorical question it doesn't mean that he no longer loves us I mean this is so appropriate to this uh, season that we're in does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. I think this is an incredible promise. God is good. God loves us. He didn't even spare his own son. He promises to, to cause all things to work together for good for those who have responded to his son. So those, so those that choose to accept that forgiveness and choose to follow him. One more time, I want to remind you of our memory verse for this week. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Imagine if you remind yourself of this every day for the next week. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And His love endures forever. I want to invite you to pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much that you love us before we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are as good in your nature on our best days as well as on our worst days. Thank you that we get to enjoy a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that we have access to this incredible Father who cares, who comforts, who offers wisdom, who wants to provide for every single need. God, please help us not to give in to distractions, but to recognize your invitation Lord, I pray that even some of the pain and the confusion that some of us are going through, Lord, that we would actually recognize that as an opportunity in this season to draw aside and to press into you, to pray, to, to praise, to, to just be present, God. And Father, for people that are 
or maybe in a situation where there's, there's just no perceivable explanation to, to put a positive spin on what they're going through or what they've been through. God, I just pray for supernatural peace, for peace that passes understanding. Lord, I pray that, that they would sense your presence in their lives personally like never before. Father, I pray your goodness over their lives and into their minds that they would experience that peace and that warmth. Lord, that they would see you looking at them with love, please. And Father, for anyone that's, that's watching today that's not yet in a relationship with you but they would like to be, please would you help them to make that decision to accept your forgiveness and that they would choose to follow you. And as they do that, God, thank you so much that you, you meet us where we're at immediately, that you run to the repentant and that you are more excited about this next season and, and this journey that we have with you available than what we could ever be. And so I pray that you would invade people making that decision, invade their lives with just an incredible sense of your presence and your pleasure. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Sue will give you some next steps in a moment, but I do want to encourage you to join us at 7 p.m. tonight, Facebook Live. Send your questions in in the meantime, and hopefully we'll be able to continue the conversation. God bless you.